FM. NBC News Radio, I'm Brian Shook. From deep in the heart of Texas to the Great Lakes, a massive winter storm is dumping snow and ice across the country. The National Weather Service is already receiving reports of a foot of snow on the ground in parts of Illinois and Indiana. Winter storm warnings remain in place from the Rocky Mountains all the way to Maine. The FDA will consider authorizing emergency use of Pfizer's COVID vaccine for children as young as six months. The meeting is set for February 15th. If authorized, that's 18 million children younger than than five years old in the U.S. who will be eligible for a vaccine. We can end cancer as we know it. That's according to President Biden, who relaunched the Cancer Moonshot program alongside First Lady Jill Biden. Dr. Biden said Americans are living in a golden age of research and discovery. We can end this terror, and all of us have a role to play. I'm Brian Shook. Medicare Clarified. Hi, this is George Litchfield with Litchfield Insurance Associates. Well, it's getting close to that time of year again where you want to make sure you're getting the most out of your Medicare plan. There are exciting new plans for 2022 with United Healthcare, SCAN, and others. For your no obligation review, people are calling 951 314 1949. If you're turning 65, new to the area, or losing group coverage and have questions about Medicare, you are invited to our new offices and resource center at the Sundance Corporate Center, 835 Highland Springs Avenue, Suite 305 in Beaumont. For your no cost Medicare consultation, people are calling 951 314 1949 to get their Medicare clarified. Silva and Silva Law is here for all your living trust needs. As attorneys, it's hard to tell someone it's too late to draft a will or living trust. Planning for one's final wishes is never easy, and the last thing you want to do is leave a mess for your children to clean up, or even worse, have to go through the probate process. Silva and Silva Law is a father-daughter law firm located in downtown Redlands. Find us on Facebook or call 909-798-1500. 909-798-1500. Have your revocable living trust drafted by an experienced attorney and tailored to your specific needs. Call Sylvan Silva Law, 909-798-1500. For several years, KCAA has been marketing the Longevity brand of nutritional and personal care products. Our experience with Longevity has been 100% positive, so we are pleased to recommend them to you. Regarding nutritional supplements, we recommend Pollen Burst in the berry flavor, and Tangy Tangerine 2.0 in the tablet form. For regularity issues, we recommend 3-Day Cleanse, and for personal care, we recommend Morning Hydration Cream. You can shop online for Longevity at www.kcaateam.com, or you can order by phone by calling 800-982-3197 and tell customer support that you are part of the KCAA team. Longevity is an American company based in San Diego. Call Longevity at 800-982-3197 and ask about monthly auto ship that allows you to buy Longevity products at wholesale prices. That number again, 800-982-3197. First tattoo, huh? Yep, I wanted to read Tough on Cilids, Easy on Bees. What's the story behind that? Well, on my orchard, I use this powerful stuff from BASF called Safina and Scalus Insecticide. Sorry, it's going to sting. 
So, Safina insecticide? It's strong on psyllids and quickly limits HLB spread, but gentle on bees. Gentle on bees? Yeah. They're the bee's knees. Be strong and gentle with Safina Insecticide. Always read and follow label directions. Hi, I'm Scott Knudsen, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Heard here on KCAA every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific. Listen to me as I talk to some of the top business and horse people from around the world. That's the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show right here on KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. K-C-A-A. Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, created and hosted by Scott Knudsen, to explore the crossroads of horses and business. Now here's your host, Scott Knudsen. Hi, I'm Scott Knudsen, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, heard on KCAA, the NBC affiliate out in California. We're also on many different platforms uh, with our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we got a very fun show, a special show. He is Tarleton State University's 16th president. He's also a great friend of mine, and I'm so honored to have him on my show, Dr. James Hurley. James, thanks so much for being on the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Yeah, thanks, Scott. You're my favorite cowboy, so this is <laughs> fun, and you've been such, such a great friend from day one. You and your family have befriended Kendall and our family and made us you gave us that Texas welcome that we heard so much about. And so oh, you're, uh, thank, thank we're, you we're so blessed. much. That means a lot, man. You're surrounded by so many good Cowboys. So uh, I, I appreciate you guy. saying that. Um, and you've got a dear family and you're a blessing for Charlton, for sure. The whole family is. So, so, so let's start in the way back machine. So your grandparents, they were coal miners. So, yeah. so where, so where was that? Where did that go on? Yeah, great question. So we, um, I grew up in, I was, first of all, I was born in Cincy and my mom and dad were both from East Kentucky, what we called Central Appalachia. And so um, the coal industry had really fallen onto hard times. It was basically on the verge of collapse. And both of my granddads were coal miners, uh, underground coal miners, et cetera. And so my dad had was really forced to leave the area because my granddad did not want any of his sons really to be coal miners. And two of the three ended up being coal miners. Oh, wow. <laughs> my wow. dad was the lone uh, family member that, that wasn't a coal miner. And so he left and went to Cincinnati seeking a job in the steel mill. Well, that also followed uh, the coal market and, and in those days in the United States, you know, the, the Met coal market really drove steel production. And so Cincinnati had, it fell onto hard times. And my dad was really struggling for the first four or five years. And so when I was roughly the age of four or five, uh, my family moved back to East Kentucky. And so that I was reared in Cincinnati, but raised in East Kentucky. And, oh my goodness. Yeah. And so it was a, it was a great place. Um, you know, to grow up, I, it was tough. You know, I was, as you know, Scott, I'm a first generation yes. poverty product. And and so the fifth congressional district, that's the district in which I grew up is among the three poorest congressional, or it was, I still, I think it still is, but for, for many, many years, it was among the three poorest congressional districts in the United States. So it's tough. It was, it was, it was tough, uh, tough place to grow up, but a great place to grow up. And I love being from Appalachia and the people there are, are hardworking, you know, they, they have the same values as Texans as we do, you know, it's, it's God, it's family, and it's everyone 
other than yourself first. Absolutely. Right. And, and that was instilled in, into me at a very young age. And my, both of my granddads um, died when I was young because of black lung and all the other things associated with underground coal mining. So yeah, it was, it was tough. I'm sorry, man. I mean, but, but, you know, it was such a tough upbringing, you know, just not, not so much the, the, the circumstances, right. But, yeah. but look at the influence you have now. So we, yeah. when you were there and, and they said, don't, don't do, don't be a coal miner. Yeah. Did, what snapped in your head? Like, I'm going to be the first generation to graduate because there's a lot of people listening to us on KCAA or right. watching the podcast right now. They're like, I'm a first generation. What, yeah. How did he do it? Cause that was pretty tough situation. What, yeah. what got your mind going like, Hey, I'm going to be the first generation, much yeah. less a college president, a division one president. Right. Well, my grandmother had a tremendous amount of influence and I just lost her last year. She, she Sorry. lived until the age of 90. She was tough and she was really uh, kind of the glue of the family and uh, was feisty and just, you know, had a, did not have a, a, a lot of education uh, because back then, you know, women in Appalachia didn't have educational opportunities and access. And so really, if you made it up to about the eighth grade, you know, you were doing pretty well. And high school was just just a bonus in those days. And um, and so she was an incredibly talented and smart lady. And she was a teacher's aide because she never had a college degree or no formal education. But she was one of the most beloved figures in, in our elementary school, you know, and, and, and I grew up in a small town very much like, you know, some of the small towns across Texas that I've, I've been blessed to visit. And she, you know, I was, I was an incredibly um, gifted student. And I was also, I had the ability, you know, to play basketball. And so she said, you're going to use one of these tools, you know, that, that God's blessed you with to get out of, out of the coal country. We called it coal country. And, um, and also, I had a fifth grade teacher, um, Irene Moore, and she was incredibly uh, influential in my life. And she was the one that said, you have the ability to go above and beyond and, and really to do something special. And, and th those two ladies were really influential, in, influential. And then my dad and my mom, they, they knew the value of, of education. They knew that the, the way to a better life was through a public, you know, formal education and so I'm a as you know Scott I'm a big proponent of free public education because mm -hmm. I think it's the great equalizer in society and so without you know public free education um, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you and so I, I'm just really blessed and I think it takes all of us rallying around you know education especially at the p12 level at the higher ed level to ensure that we're providing opportunity and access for all students Right. I, I love that so much. And, and they just become your friends, you know, the administrators like like we met because of Tarleton. And right. I consider you a close friend and, and our Absolutely. families know each other. And yeah. it's just so much that surrounds it. But it's also the culture. And, 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 and I definitely want to get back to to that. But the culture of Tarleton, it, it's such a close tight knit. And, and I believe it's what, 14,000 students yeah, we're almost 15,000 we'll wow. eclipse 15,000 next year yeah it, it, it's growing but the culture is so strong how so when you're talking to students and, or, or educators because you have to hire them how do yeah. you keep that because you want to respect the past of Tarleton right but you're growing in in a way that's so so quick and the standards are so much higher and being division right. one how do you do right. that 
Well, part of what makes Tarleton so special and, and part of the reason that Kendall and I chose to come here, right? I mean, I was had a great presidency, loved the board I was working for, loved the, the, the students and the faculty and staff that I was working alongside and, and serving there in East Tennessee. But we, when we visited the campus and when the consultants and the Texas A&M system started re to recruit us, we made a private visit here. You know this story, Scott, but others don't. And when Kendall and I, and we had another institution in Texas that was heavily pursuing us, and we, we felt like that we were kind of leaning in that direction until we visited here. And Kendall felt this just peace. And it was all about family. We, we wanted to raise our family in, in an atmosphere that embraced similar values, uh, that, but also had a culture of, of, of loving and, and caring mm -hmm. and nurturing and success. And, and it was here. And we could tell immediately when we met folks. And then when we met folk, great alumni like you and so many thousands, teens of thousands of others, it's just the traditions of Tarleton are our DNA. And they always have to remain the DNA of what we do, no matter how much we grow, what we do moving forward. It's all about the Tarleton family and it's right. ensuring that every student is successful. And that's the Tarleton way. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And it's in Stephenville, Texas. Yep. And, and uh, I should have said that at the beginning, but I got so excited. Cowboy talking. capital just, of the world. Cowboy what? capital of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So biggest town next to you is what, Fort Worth? Yeah, about we're about an hour Worth. south of Fort Worth. So you're close to Cowboy Channel and RFD and Will Rogers and all those yeah. Cowtown and yeah, and yeah. also we so love cool. it. Yeah. So let's talk. Steve we have a good relationship with them. Don't forget, uh, you know, our emerging campus in Fort Worth mm -hmm. is kind of that halfway point. So students that may not want to um, attend Tarleton in a traditional setting, they can go to Tarrant County or Weatherford College or. Dallas College or Hill or all any of the partners that are in that DFW Metroplex, they can get their associate's degree there and then transfer. Uh, it's a degree completer program. So they can wow. transfer then to our Fort Worth campus and complete that bachelor's, master's or doctoral degrees. How great is that? You just culture, set it up to make it easy. Easier. Yeah, well, the culture of Fort Worth, you nailed it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's all the, it's really, it's got a cowboy culture, Absolutely. even though it's the what the second or third fastest growing metropolitan city in the nation. I think we're now the 11th or 12th uh, largest city, meaning Fort Worth. Their values and, and, and what they embrace really aligns with Tarleton. And so we're just aligning what we do culturally, taking it a little further north and aligning with those, uh, you know, those associate degree students. Oh man, that's so cool. So, so, so you're an educator. So you, you grew up around the coal mines. How, yeah. So tell me for someone that, you know, you all of a sudden want to become an educator and then a president. Can you take me through the process? Because there's a lot of people that don't know, you know, you don't wake up one day, say, I want to be the president. Right. Yeah. How do right. you do that? What was the steps? Because I know it's a long, hard process. It, it was. And so, uh, you know, 25 years now in, in, in education. And, and I love, you know, I mean, higher Congratulations. ed. Congratulations. Yeah. Higher ed is what I always aspired, you know, to to be and and in the fifth grade, I remember having a conversation with with um, with with Irene and 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 really kind of laying out my career path, knowing that I wanted to to go and I always wanted to be a, a, a teacher, a professor. 
And, and to say in fifth grade that I knew I wanted to be a president, that would be a, beyond an exaggeration. But I knew that I wanted to be in leadership in some capacity. I wanted to help others. Right. And then as I continued to, you know, to work my way through high school and then college, you know, garnering, you know, accounting and business and finance degrees, it was very important that, um, that I started aligning those degrees with kind of a career pathway. And it was probably in my junior year in college, I remember um, I was sitting outside the president's office and, and outside the president's office at my, at my alma mater, they had presidents of uh, pictures, I'm sorry, portraits of all of the, the past presidents. And I, I was the class vice president. I was sitting with the class president. And I said, someday I'm going to have my picture on this wall. I, I want to come wow. back and be president. And I did. I was the first alumni <laughs> to serve. You as called your shot, man. That's strong. Well, that one was probably. And, and I think she kind of sniggered and said, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but it was that it was at that point in college. And I had a, just a tremendous president that I, Hal Smith that I adored and he invested so much into me and really started building my leadership capacity, giving me leadership opportunities. And so that's when I started aligning my career pathway and my degree pathway, I should say, with my career pathway and making, right. and I wanted to ensure that those two aligned. And, uh, and I thought, you know, someday I would like to be a president, a university president. And that was roughly my, you know, probably sophomore, junior year in college. But to get there, it took a lot of a lot of work. You know, you had to start out as an a, as an instructor, and then an assistant professor, and then professor, and then dean, and then I was a vice president. Then I became executive vice president, and then president. So wow. it's definitely worked your way up. Yeah. So I didn't go from zero to to sixty no. No. In, a, in a second. It 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 took some time and a lot of learning, a lot of mistakes, um, a lot of things went well, but um, you know it. You got to, I've told my sons and, and, you know, I try to lead as a, as a dad, but also, you know, students that I mentor here, you've got to have a plan and, and you've yeah. got to have a plan B or a plan A. And if you have a plan B, don't talk about it. Yeah. 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 Don't even, wanna, yeah. yeah. Don't even think about it. If you have a plan B, file it away, but really stay laser focused on plan A. And if you fail, fail forward, fail toward that. Absolutely. Plan. Love that. I love that so much. And, you know, I, I think it's so important for somebody, you know, whether they're listening to us on the radio or watching the show to know they can do it. You just got to have a plan and then start educating, right. you know, executing the plan and then have right. somebody around you that's done it or can give you some leadership. Get your mentor there. Um, right, 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 you right. know, just what you did and what I try and do. It's, it's that's what I did. I mean, I had somebody help me, you know, and and, and get there. My, I had a great family, but um but it can be done by a first generation. It doesn't really matter where you come from. That's where I get passionate. And, and right. when you get to go in a, a situation like a university, you're just surrounded by people that are with the same common goals. Right. Well, we have so many public, that's a great point, Scott. We have so many programs now that are either at the federal or state or local level, local meaning colleges, universities, high schools, et cetera that expose these students to college in ways that you and I never had the opportunity to experience, right? I mean, right. even first-generation poverty students today, they come to Tarleton with, a, with an expectation of what their college experience should look like. Right. I remember showing up at my university on day one with no expectations because I didn't have a clue, right? I was very, very green. 
and 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 times have changed so much. I mean, the the programs that we're investing in, in into education are working, and these students are are definitely uh, they they have a a sense of of at least what they might want to do and, and how to get there. It takes us obviously in a, in a lot of work to ensure that we nurture uh, the, the process and, the, and, mm-hmm. and ensure that we establish, um, you know, progress for, for every student. But you're right. I mean, first generation students, you can do this. If I can become a university president at one of the fastest growing public universities in the nation, a first generation student can do anything they want to do. Absolutely. The resources are there. The opportunity in this country, we live in the greatest country mm-hmm. in the world. This is the greatest country in the world. And I think selfishly, we're in the greatest state, right? And a lot of people yeah. say Texas is the greatest country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a lot. Since a, I've been lot a lot, a <laughs> lot. No, I agree years, you know, so much. And, you know, believe. whether you're first generation and you're a student age, or if you went to work, you know, you started a career in helping your family. You can always go back with all the satellites. It helps you ease back into that system. Absolutely. You can, Absolutely. There's ne- it's never too late. Well, we just, great point. So we received in the fall 1.5 million. And we, last week, you probably saw the announcement just a few days ago. We received another 1.5 million from the coordinating board because we did such a great job. It's called the reskilling grant. So to your point, if a student started college, and they had to stop out because life happens, and life happens for all of us. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and certainly during COVID, it happened. Absolutely. It exacerbated. It exacerbated mm-hmm. the term. You know, the the mean. You know, <laughs> the definition of, of absolutely of, of, of life happening. Those students can come back, and we have so many financial resources now that it's it's virtually free for those for those individuals. So, and, and what really, was it called? What was it called? It's called the reskilling grant. Reskilling um, grant. Yeah. I could see people in my mind reaching for a pen to write that down. So yeah, it's the Texas reskilling grant, and okay. of course, you have to be in Texas. Uh, and I don't know; other states are probably doing something very similar. I know Scott, you have a huge following in, in Arizona and Utah and, and California and all these great states. I'm certain that those states are, are are using the same federal funding to help get people across that finish line. Right. Nothing better. There's nothing better than once they get to go back and accomplish that dream they always wanted to. Um, It's so phenomenal. Scott will be right back with more. Hi, I'm Scott Knutson, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Today, we're going to talk about something I'm really passionate about. Those that know me know I love my coffee. Those that don't, now you know I do. And we've been working on this for several months and we, we wanted to get it just right. And we don't put our name on anything unless we feel 100% certain it's, it's the best product we can get. And uh, we, we've done it. I really believe we've done it. We've created a coffee line, 13 great flavors. I'm gonna show you three of them. We have K-Cups in all 13 flavors. Here's a Jamaican Me Crazy. It's a, just a really great coffee. Everyone has great logos. It has a brand, the same brand that's on our horses, our trailers. You know that brand means something and we wouldn't put it on here if it wasn't good coffee. We have whole bean. This is a great Honduran blend and uh, it's a whole bean coffee. We have whole bean in all 13 flavors. And then we have a ground coffee. Uh, This is a really great one. My wife and I really like this a lot, loved it. So we named it after our daughter, Hayes Blend. Everyone has the packaging and the logo of the show, our brand. And I hope you like it. I, I really believe you will. 
and we're going to have more flavors coming out soon. We're going to have the pumpkin spices, and then we're going to go to peppermint after that. And please send us your suggestions as well. You can find it at cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Think coffee shop. Cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Thank you so much. So when you're looking for staff and faculty, how do you do that? Because that's with everything you do, because your, your title is big. I mean, you, you got a lot to look at. How do right, you make right. sure every level of faculty, because it's just like a company and we talk different companies and businesses. Right, right. That's what it is. And you, everybody has to be on the same page. Yeah, we're we're a large enterprise. We're growing. Uh -huh. I mean, our comprehensive budget now is a pro. It's just I think north of four hundred ninety million. So we'll we'll eclipse five hundred million next great. year. That's great. And um, you know, we have a few thousand employees. You know, fifteen thousand students. I, I one of the things that I, I learned very early from, from back to that word mentoring that was essential for me. I, I surrounded myself with with great mentors, presidents that that did it at a very high level. Um, and I, and I watched how they navigate. They always surrounded themselves with smarter people. And, and always. always. See, people. for me, it's not that much of a struggle, but I try <laughs> me to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, that's a pretty low bar for me. So <laughs> I usually, I usually eclipse that pretty, pretty easy. Uh, mm -hmm. but we surround, you know, I, I always want to surround myself with great people. Right. And I really, you know, I, I don't micromanage. I, I'm more, you know me, Scott, I'm more of a visionary. I'm looking at big projects that can move the needle and really advance and raise our institutional profile. And, and I desperately depend on the vice presidents and deans to do a great job. You know, mm -hmm. hire great people, recruit great people. My concern is the same concern you have right now is, is you know, this, this, the pipeline of, of individuals that are that are wanting or the funnel I should say that uh, wanting to enter higher ed is shrinking you know because they they're making so much more money in the private sector getting individuals to re uh, and invest their intellect and time and talent into into education is becoming more challenging you see it every day mm -hmm. the number of high school vacancies that go unfilled because principals and superintendents can't get enough young people to teach high school. Right. Well, that, you know, that percolates up to higher ed. I mean, it, it's, it has a lagging of, of effect, if you will, or a trailing effect. And so we're trying to kind of, we started a program, build your own and grow your own. And we're taking our undergraduate and graduate students and the, and the individuals or students, I'm sorry, here that have indicated that they might want to pursue a, a career in higher ed, we're putting them into a teaching pipeline to create those faculty. So we're really recruiting from within and we're trying to take our best and brightest Texans to keep them here to spread, you know, I'm sorry, to, to share their intellect um, and their talent with the generation coming behind them. See, I love that. It's such an entrepreneurial mindset. And you run in a company, but a, a university, but it's such an entrepreneurial. You got a problem. You're going to fix it by helping others, and they're going to help fix the problem. And yeah. I love that. You know, that's well, the, the greatest. The greatest compliment I ever received was from someone that that I really respect, and and they are, you know, they know higher ed better than than most people, and, and certainly more than they know more than I'll ever, you know. Uh, no, and they forgot more than I will ever learn. Right. And he 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 said, "You are academically entrepreneurial," 
And mm-hmm. to me, I think that's why I've been successful at fairly early age is because you have to think outside the circle and outside the box. You know, I've always said, why does it have to be a box? Yeah, absolutely. Think outside the circle, right? Yeah. I mean, but, but get outside the boundaries. And we've done that here at Tarleton. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, because of the support of great alumni like yourself, we're able to, to do it a little faster than other institutions. Well, I, I think the entrepreneurial mindset, I think you nailed it when uh, you were telling me a story. Um, you got the neatest house. It's right in the center of campus. Yeah. And, and you were cooking s'mores. And I'll let you tell the story. I don't, but this is 100% entrepreneurial. You figured out what was happening and you fixed it. Yeah. Would you mind yes. sharing that story? No, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. So we, uh, you know, Kendall and I are very, as, as Scott knows, the audience may not know, we are very student centric. Mm-hmm. We are passionate about student success. We love our students. We want to, we want to know every single student's hopes, dreams, aspirations, you know, how can we help them be successful? Because their success is our success. Right. And so we, we plan an event and, um, it was early. It was like six, you know, six p.m. normal time for, for all of us, right? Except eighteen sure. through twenty-four year olds. <laughs> and we we thought, you know, like I don't know, fifty people, twenty-five. No, it wasn't even fifty. It's like twenty-five people, twenty-five students showed up, and we said, "Gosh, there's, you know, this isn't this isn't going to work out. We just <laughs> don't like us. You know, maybe this was a bad decision, transition, blah blah blah." And so. We started looking at analytics and I said, well, tell me what's the highest internet usage on campus. And it was from like 11 a.m. to 2 or 3 or 11 p.m. to 2 or 3 a.m. So students are mostly nocturnal. <laughs> and um, and so we said, OK, the next event, we're going to have s'mores and we had s'mores and hot chocolate for our students. We're going to do it at midnight and we're going to go from 11 p.m to 1 a.m. We call it Midnight S'mores with President. We must have had 4,000 students show up <laughs> at that event. So, uh, so we figured out, you know, here, here's my mantra for, for this sums up Dr. Hurley, low IQ, high <laughs> MU. <laughs> right? So if it means you have to stay up really late to meet the students where they are, you do it. It just it it. takes a lot of effort and energy. Well, you but had a problem and you fixed their, it. Go ahead. Yeah, well, Sorry to interrupt, but all no. of our events now, we have midnight tacos, as you know, we have uh, midnight s'mores, we have study breaks for our students at midnight, and they show up. It's incredible. It's incredible, you know, but you figured it out, and, and who would have thought to look at that? That's so ingenious, but um, I know it's a big deal there, because everybody told me uh, when I visited the campus last, asking about the s'mores, asking about the s'mores, so... Yeah, left no, an impact. We, we do it. We love it. Yeah. And it's now it's just, it's really blown up and the kids love it. They look forward to it. In fact, here in the next couple of weeks, we will have kind of a, a welcome back spring. Cause we have a lot of students, Scott, as you know, here that at Tarleton that transfers at the midpoint. So right around, you know, that December break, they will either transfer from another institution into Tarleton or they've finished that associate's degree and they're ready to start their baccalaureate journey. And so we want those students to know, hey, this is who we are, this is tradition. And, and our students, they know, the, the returning students know that this is a great way to, to really show the new students to Tarleton, hey, this is the Tarleton way, this is, this is the way we do things. That's awesome. So, so the people around you are, are also helping share what Tarleton means. Absolutely. It, 
That's the best, man. That's the best. Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Scott will be right back with more. For more information on Scott Knudsen, the Cowboy Entrepreneur, visit us online at cowboyentrepreneur.com. From enhanced educational opportunity to increased visibility, Tarleton State University is on the map and on the move. We're accomplishing more than we ever thought possible. More collaboration, more innovation, more expansion. Progress at Tarleton State University over the last academic year is undeniable. Everyone's taking notice. Together, we can accomplish the extraordinary. So you've been educated for 27 years. So um, what's, what's your favorite memory? Yeah, gosh, good question. So I guess I love I love all the the memories of, of just being able to interact with with students and as a professor, as a dean, as a VP president. But I'll tell you a neat story as a student. Okay. Uh, one of my best friends still today, Dr. David Barnett. And during all of my my master's doctoral work, even at, at the undergrad level, um, I, I, I only remember making one B. And it was in finance, which I should do very well. It was uh, public, uh, public education, public higher education finance. And part of the issue wasn't the content; it was the ability. Back then, we didn't have this online learning. You had to, right. you had to actually go on the you weekends again. And and I, you know, I was climbing the ladder, and and I was a vice president, and um, or I think at that time uh, maybe a dean, and I, I can't remember, but I was really trying to, and I had a family, and you know, lots of things going on and it was hard to, to get there as, as, as often. And Dr. David Barnett, um, who just, I adore, we're very close. Uh, he taught this finance class and, and I all, and I remember as a student, uh, just always trying to spend extra time with him. And I was late on an assignment because I was traveling with the university I worked for at that time. And I, I remember staying after class and, and talking to him about it. And he said, listen, Dr. Hurley, or Mr. Hurley, I wasn't doctor yet. I was working on my doctor. He said, you are stressing far more about this than I am. Like, I'm going to meet you where you are. And that was so profound. Like, that was a, a really a life-changing moment for me because I was always trying, I was very structured. Right. And I figured out in education, you can't, you, you got to be, you got to meet students where they are. And so Dr. Barnett was the most difficult teacher I've ever had, but he's the guy now that I'm closest to, and he chaired my dissertation committee. And wow. so we're just really close, but I remember he invest, you know, he took time to invest in me and, um, and, and quite honestly, that, that grade probably should have been a D or an F because it was just, <laughs> I just, I had zero time to work through it during that <laughs> But it was just awesome. And oh, uh, yeah, lone, I think that's the lone B I've ever made. And, oh my uh, goodness. And he was, yeah, so it, it, it's very vivid. <laughs> and well, tell me, what, you, you love Tarleton. I mean, your family is synonymous here. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think the audience deserves to hear from you. What makes Tarleton so special? Well, for me, the, the school, that was great, but it's going back and it's, it's like going back home. You know, I, I love the universities. Uh, you know, we're blessed to get to speak to a lot of them. Uh, Charlton's home for me because that's where I went, you know, and every time right. I go back now, it's like going to see family. 
you know, yeah, and, yeah. and the staff is great. You know, the faculty is just wonderful. They're so welcoming. Um, I love the community. Um, it, that's the fun part. You know, I, I think it's when you step back away from it and, and you get in life and then you go back home, it, it changes your concept a little bit. And, and it exactly makes you even like appreciate it. more than what you had, you know, it was great then, but it's even better to get to go back home and enjoy it from a different level. And I tell our students all the time now, I'll say, hey, you better enjoy these days. You, yeah. It's tough now because you're in it. But I talk to so many alumni like yourself. Yeah. They, they often say, if I could just have one more semester or, yeah. or one more week <laughs> or yeah. one more day as a Tarleton student, I'd, I'd give anything to come back. It's just that's how special Tarleton State University really is. Right. Right. A absolutely. And as the improvements keep happening and the new stuff keeps happening and um, the new arena, and, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But um, so you so you're you rode horses. You're good at bas You're great at basketball, but um, you rode horses growing up. And um, so what was that like? What was your first horseback ride? I mean, did somebody just put you on a horse or. Yeah, no. So, um, gosh, I may get in trouble for this one, but we, we, maybe we won't let her listen to this podcast. Yeah, we, so we had, won't tell anything. I had a girlfriend in high school that wasn't my wife now, but uh, which is probably the case for some some of us, not all of us. And her family, her family loved had horses, and um, we would often, uh, you know, on, when I was dating her, we would go to her family's uh, ranch. And uh, they, they, in, in Kentucky, we didn't call them ranches, they were farms. In Texas, it's a ranch, in, yeah. in Kentucky, it's a farm, because they, they would also raise a lot of, of um, you know, fruits and vegetables and that type of stuff, and, but they, they would have horses and et cetera. So I remember we would ride quite often and uh, really love, you know, I've always had a love for, for, for horse and, and the kind of the cowboy way, if you will. Right. And then um, it really took off, you know, it started there. And then there were parts of my life uh, that you were without it because, you know, I was in Louisville, Kentucky. Right. Well, there's not much, you know, yeah. outside of the Derby. That's really the only yeah, horse that's ride it. Yeah. place in, in Louisville. And, and then, you know, you get back to East Tennessee and you're able to ride and, and really. So, so for me, it's, it's, it's therapeutic. I, even here today, I don't get to do it as much as I want. But um, for me, it's relaxing. It's it, and I'm not great, uh, but I but I can hold my own. And we have so many great kids here that just love rodeo. They love the cowboy and cowgirl way. And we have a lot of students here that have horses, and they're not part of the rodeo program. So it, it's pretty easy to get plugged in. Uh, Kendall and I've said this summer we're going to get back to you know to riding more here, and even you know trying to get plugged in with with more folks that are you know within the, the the region oh that's fine that's fine i'm sure you're gonna have a lot of offers for sure i'm not as good as you i mean you're awesome at it you're no you're, no no <laughs> good horses man they cover up a lot you know so thank goodness that's for that. true it's well you said know? so so uh division one so you took division one so how does that work so for a layman like me, does that all the sports go to Division One? Do students different conferences? Yeah, How does that the work? entire yeah. So the entire university we reclassified from NCAA Division Two status to NCAA Division One status, and that's for the entire university. So every single student, regardless if they're a student athlete or not, when they're a student and they graduate from Tarleton State, 
it is from a, you know, an NCAA Division One institution. So that took place th two years ago. We're in, yeah, two years ago. And, and so now our status is we're, uh, you know, SAC CLC, that's our regional accreditation division, NCAA Division One institution. And so it definitely raised the profile and raised the bar. All sports, to answer your question, made the transition at the same time. Our football, um, we play in what's called FCS, uh, Division One FCS football. And so next year we open up uh, at, uh, at TCU. Um, the following year, we're at Texas Tech. The following year, I think we're at Baylor, and then we play Texas A&M. So it's just at a much higher scale. In basketball, you saw this year, we played number one Gonzaga. We played Michigan. We played Stanford. We played Texas A&M. It's just incredible what, um, what it's done in terms of raising the national profile. Congratulations. That's a big deal for sure. It was um, hard work. <laughs> it, it, was, had it, to was be. A, it was it a had lot. To be. Well, yeah, and, and Vice President Reisman, he's Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics. He's been here for, I don't close to 30, 32 years. He really had to carry a lot of, of, of the water, if you will, in terms mm -hmm. of ensuring that we were. We had all of the T's crossed and, and the I's dotted. And it was, it was quite the process in terms of providing the documentation, lots of campus visits. Those campus visits during COVID were obviously diminished, more became virtual with the NCAA to ensure that we were ready and that we were financially stable. We had the, the facilities and the programs in place to, to do it really well. Wow. And, and I think the campus development because of the division one, but it gets the alumni back involved. It gets the students to be leaving a legacy and it gets alumni to come back and be part of a legacy change, you Absolutely. know, and, and I felt that and I saw that when I was at the campus for sure. And, and that, there was a line of a lot of excitement there for sure. Yeah, real game changer for us. Absolutely. So how does that work? So your division one sports. So does the equestrian team, the rodeo team, does it take money out of the football or is it, it's not one big pot or is it all separate depending on? Yeah, well, yeah, great question. So at Tarleton, we, we have one, you know, one pot, if you will. And some would say it's a pot of silver, not a pot of gold. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it does run out. So yeah. we, we have, you know, one budget, one comprehensive university budget. Okay. And each of the each of the sports and each of the, the organizations, they have an agency account. And so football has a has an, an agency account. Rodeo has an account, equestrian, all of our, you know, organizations, teams, etc. band, they all have their own account and, and, and we do lots of fundraising for each. We ensure we allocate funds. Um, you know, a, 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 we think we're very fair. Uh, football here athletically drives a lot. It, it, right. it is a, is a major revenue generator for the institution. In fact, it is the largest revenue generator we have on the athletic side. Wow. And it funds a lot of other sports. Rodeo is, is a program that is really self-sufficient. Uh, they do a great job. Of course, we just received a million-dollar uh, donation uh, Friday night from the Dodies to, to support the rodeo program. So we have donors that have a passion for each, for band, for the performing arts, for rodeo, for football, whatever it may be, and they really align their resources with those programs to ensure that they're successful. That's so wonderful that they get to be a part of it. From no matter where they live, they're still a part of the facility, part of that, part of the school, but part of that department that really 
change your life. You know, that's right. that's exciting. Um, and I, I know you got a new arena uh, for the for the school. Uh, you yeah. want to talk about that a little bit? That's a cool story. Yeah, it, yeah it's a real game changer for us. It really you know, is. We we have we we consider ourselves Rodeo University. We we've won more national championships than any other university. Uh, probably, and, and and we're trying to verify a lot of, of records because back, you know, in certain days, they records were, were you know, if you kept a record, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. But I'm, I'm guessing it's not even close, right? We've won 28 national championships here in rodeo. <clears throat> and we're really, really um, excited about the future of, of rodeo. Uh, and, and so the legacy of the program, our facility really – it was good, but not great. And when the Down Under Ranch uh, became available for uh, purchase, we had a local um, donor, a local uh, um, alumni that really stepped up and, and said, you know, I can purchase this property and then we can take the next year to figure this out and, we'll, and I'll lease it back to you. And then you, you will have, you know, sole ownership. But to really do it quickly, he had to buy it. And we cut this deal about two days and maybe two and a half days before the auction wow. and and on just you know faith and the fact that uh you know my word was good chancellor's word was good he went out and, and bought this for us and uh brad allen and brad nancy are just incredible people and we we were able to to make good on that purchase uh, a couple months ago and now we we own the facility but last year we were quote unquote a lease to own agreement from the Allens. Right. And that's about a $3 million facility that it would yeah. honestly cost us, Scott, 15, 16 million easy to build right. today. Right. It, and you've been there, you know, yeah. you know, though, you know, the facility, yeah. it is just incredible. It is world-class. It's the best in the nation. No rodeo program in the country right. um, has the ability to say we've got the best rodeo yeah. But we've got the best rodeo arena in the country at the collegiate level. Right, right. It, it's gorgeous. It, it really is. Um, so, so going to the NFR, you, we we were up there with you in Fort Worth, um, Vegas, and going to represent the kid or support the kids, which I love that so much. Support the university, but see the kids. Um, what what's something kind of unique and different maybe about rodeo being in Fort Worth or maybe in uh, Vegas? Yeah, that, you know, so for us, obviously, proximity made it easier for Kendall and I to to be there more and support. You know, if, if you look at the participants, half of the participants at the NFR are from Stephenville, Texas. Yeah. And 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 more than half of those individuals from Stephenville are either current Tarleton students or, you know, Texans. They they're they're alumni just like yourself. And so for us, it was it was really about um, supporting our alumni and our students for us. So the first NFR experience for us was in Fort Worth because everything COVID struck and, you know, um, it, it was just incredible to go and watch, um, you know, our competitors compete. Vegas had a different feel, you know, the, it, it felt a little more electric. Um it's, it, it's, it's sprawling. So you have all of these various venues that you can go and visit uh, the facility. I will say in, in Dallas, Fort Worth, it was better, right? Globe life is, is exceptional. It's, it's incredible. New. They do such yeah, a great it, job. It's beautiful. 
Um, you know, I'm a little biased. I'd love for it to, to at least be on a rotation, uh, yeah. rotated basis. You know, even years in Texas, odd years in, in you know, in Vegas, right. you know, something like that. I know, you know, that's, that's probably logistically um, tough, but I thought that the great people of Texas and, and um, Sean Decker and, and the entire team up there that really had to yeah. flip this thing on a, overnight to, to even have the NFR here. It, it, it's job. phenomenal his story he was on our show sean was and he was telling us you know he was just flying back it was a handshake deal until a, a week or so before and kind of like y'all's deal with the arena you know um trust goes a long way you shake someone's hands it means something man even on that's big right. deals because even on a small deal you shake a hand it's just as important that's um, right and, and i agree man the facility was incredible um just the passion of the fans you know, the rodeo fans and, and the participants. It's, it's incredible to watch. We love it. We've met so many people. You know, we're one of the sponsors and, you know, of the NFR on a certain night. So people, it, it, it has exposed Tarleton in a way that it, individuals that support rodeo, but, but necessarily mm-hmm. they don't support a university. They, right. they now realize how important Tarleton is to the performance of an NFR because so many of those individuals are our Texans. They're here. They're, they're Tarleton grads or students, or they train, right? They train with our students. They train in our facility. And so we're, we're the kind of the lifeline uh, or uh, yeah, I would say the lifeline of, of, of the future competitors, because a lot of these tech um, rodeo kids, they're here, right? They're right. at Tarleton and they're training you now the, the paid and braze of the world. They're, they're right here and, and yeah. they're stars and, and they're like sophomore, you know, walking campus one day and, and, you know, chasing that gold buckle uh, yeah. on a Saturday. So yeah, it's cool. It's incredible. We loved it. Kendall and I love it because, it again, it the, the cowboy way, it embraces what, what we teach our, 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 our own children, and that's God, family, and mm-hmm. everyone but yourself. Yeah, I love it. I, I love that so much. Um, you know, and being st- in Stephenville and in Tarleton, you know, what y'all did as a family, you jumped in the community. You know, and the whole family did. And that's a commitment when your whole family, it's not like you're just going to work and you come home and see the family. Y'all are with them all the time. Yeah, we I, are. I think that sets a trend though, you know, for some of the kids that definitely maybe didn't have that growing up and the other ones that did that miss it, they have that, you know, right. and, and uh, it means a lot. Yeah, but, it's important. I want to share something with you, Scott. I know yeah. we're running out of time, but speaking yeah. of rodeo, so one of my good friends, and he's a he's an, an alum. I don't know if you can see this or not. Yes, um, yes. You see the Texan symbol on there. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Yeah, and you see my 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 JH six brand he created yeah. for me. You Edmondson, uh, uh, just a one of the most beloved Texans. He's mm-hmm. he has one of the largest collection of spurs um, in in not only in the state but in the country. And you had those made for me, and that JH six. It's we we sketched that out one night um, at at an event, and, <laughs> and so I said, if I'm ever I want to own my own ranch someday, and when I do, I want my own brand. And he said, all right, we're going to make you a cattle brand. And I said, but I want my Tarleton logo on there too. He said, all right, we'll put both. But that's James Hurley, and then we have six in our family: Kendall, myself, and our four children. So we we added the six on there. So I love that. You know, I saw it on, uh, I believe, Instagram. And, yeah. and for people that want a fun time, they need to follow you because you're doing stuff all the time and you're posting and it's so much fun. So how can people follow you uh, on yeah. Instagram? 
whatnot. Thank, yeah, thank you. Or at Tarleton Prez. They can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I do not Facebook, so I, have, I want to be transparent. I have a team that manages Facebook and all the other accounts, but I personally post on Instagram and Twitter, and I do have an individual that helps monitor, and then he'll add content, but I, it's, pro, it's mostly, predominantly, my posts, my, my information, my feeds. So it's at Tarleton Prez, P-R-E-Z. And uh, yeah, it's fun. I, and we try to put students out there too, because they love, you know, taking a selfie with the president. And then when I post it, it just really makes their day. Right. And so it's so cool. Uh, it's so fun to follow you and see where you are and see those spurs. Then you see some students and then you see something else going on. And it really kind of puts you in the mood there. Um, yeah, what's going it. on. So uh, love the social media. And I hope my follower, the people that watch our show and listen to Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, I know they're going to love it. They're going to start following because uh, it is fun. We yeah, post yeah. a lot of rodeo stuff. You know, we, you Kendall and I go, we're at these, you know, Scott, we go to all these events. We go to, we go to performing arts events. We go to uh, theatrical. We go when a band performs, we're there. When football team plays, when we're there, rodeo, we're there. And so we want to really highlight and expose the kids and, and, uh, and our students. And that's what it's all about. So, yeah, absolutely. You do. you do. And it's a lot of behind the scenes things too that people normally wouldn't get to see, which is right. really cool. You know, it's, yeah. it's really cool. So, so give us something for people that haven't been to Stephenville, Texas. Where, where? So, if I was coming and never been there before, where would you take me to eat? What would we do? Oh, that's Stephen? easy. Hard eight. Yeah, there hard you eight, go. Uh, hard eight. I love hard eight. In fact, I will. Uh, be, I will <laughs> that will be different tonight. <laughs> we have so many great ones, though. We've got a new restaurant that's just incredible. Um, uh, Chef Newton. He opened up a little place downtown that that's incredible. But Hard Eight is one of those iconic Texas pit barbecue. A lot of uh, the, the opposing teams that come and play us, they come in a night early and they always go, they come Do in they early really? so wow. they can go to Hard Eight. So it, it's the best. The Decker family who owns Hard Eight, they're incredible. But we have so many great, uh, great mm -hmm. venues, great, great eateries. Uh, Greer's on the corner. I love yeah. Phil. He's a great guy, you know, cowboy. He does a great job. Um, of course, you know, Chef Newton's a cowboy. He was on um, Hell's Kitchen with um, Gordon Ramsay. That's wow. how he kind of, uh, you know, ascended to all this, this fame. And he has folks from all over the state flying in here to, to eat one of his uh, uh, Gordon Ramsay steaks. So, we, we, you know, that's the thing about Stephenville. They're doing a great job. The community and the, and the university are growing together. We got great leadership. The mayor and I are good friends. We talk often the, the council, the city council here, they're really progressive. We're, we're adding a lot of incredible um, venues and, and, and other amenities that faculty, staff, and students and visitors can enjoy when they come to town. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, my daughter and I, we were at, well, I was asked to come up there. My daughter went with us to um, uh, the Steamville Police Department. And we got invited by the chief and some of the great officers there. And, and it was right after Blue Santa. And it was such an honor. You know, it was, I could not wait to do it. I got to meet him, got the tour. And he said yeah. something to me that I still remember that there's a weekly call that he has and some city leaders have and you were on and yep. how you're all working together in campus police and just to make the community better. And yep. I, that just resonated with me is how all these people that are so busy, they still find time to help the greater. It goes back to Absolutely. what you're saying. 
it goes back. Yeah, we carve out 30 minutes and, and, and it's more now. I mean, we're once COVID is kind of, subsided a bit here um we're still dealing with it but not to the i think we've learned how to navigate covid right, right. And, and learn to live with it and so the, uh we still have those calls and uh it, it is incredible to have all the you know the folks that that can make decisions quickly uh we're all on the same page here we're not rowing in a different direction no. we got a, a great state representative a great senator no. um, it, it just things are things are aligning really well yeah, it, it, it just takes one to kind of go off center. But when you're working together so closely, it makes a whole thing. When you drive in, it's a perfect experience. And it's still that small town feel. And and, and but um, it's really great. So so if you weren't a president of a major university on, on the ascendance, what would you do? What would make you happy at the end of the day if you weren't? Um, yeah, you know, I've, this one's easy. My family knows this. My passion snow ski. I love to snow ski and I don't get a lot of time to do it. But when I do, um, it, I'd love being outdoors. I love, uh, I like, you know, cold doesn't bother me. I like seasons. I love, you know, and so um, I would probably be, uh, you know, a ski mom. A ski no, instructor. Well, I, I, I watch you on Instagram. That's as close as I want to get. But. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I love it. Uh, either that or, or, you know, I think someday Kendall and I will will own a little ranch, and yeah. uh, you know, in education, you don't make a ton of money. That's the thing you well, you do it for passion and love, and um, you know, so so our ranch will be <laughs> much smaller than hey, than other ranches. But I could see us, you know, you know, getting into, you know, owning some horses, owning some land, settling down, slowing down, because right, right. now our life is just as you know, it's a it's it's a frantic pace on a good day. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, at some point we will slow down. Well, I, that's why I appreciate you being on the show. I got time for one more question, but that's yeah. why I appreciate you just taking time, you know. And so what's what's a normal, uh, there's no normal day, but what's a day like for you? Because on Instagram, social media, you're going from, from dark to dark, you know, yeah. and, and you got meetings yeah. and you're working with the city and the police department. What, what's a normal day for you? Yeah, so I wake up at five o'clock every day and um, I run. And so for me, I try to get 45 minutes to uh, 50 minutes. It's never an hour, but somewhere between 45 and 50 minutes, I want to run. And I try to do that five to six days a week. And that's, I don't listen to ear, you know, the, to what is it? Uh, ear, ear, pod, I, ear, I bod, yeah. air bods, whatever. Yeah. I just, it's just me. And there's not, you know, it's, it's pretty quiet out there. And, um, and so I, that's my thinking time. And I'm thinking about, you know, the course of the day, um, you know, what do I want to accomplish? What major meetings um, do I have in front of me that, that I need to think about? If it's, if it's a day that I have a lot of speeches, I'll start thinking through, you know, what the tone and tenor of the speech should be. And, and then I, I'm in the office. Um, I don't get here. I'm not a 6 or 7 a.m. office guy because I want to have breakfast with my family, make sure the kids get off to school. Kendall takes care of that. And then when they leave for school, you know, roughly at 8 a.m., I'm, I'm, I'm here in the office. And then my typical day runs to about 11 or 12 at night. I only sleep about four and a half to five hours. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never required a lot of sleep. And so I'm typically, you know, we're, we're at events. And so Kendall's a great partner. I'm so blessed with just a, a wonderful wife that loves what we do and really embraces what we do. But it's typically a lot of, of meetings with, with my cabinet, student groups on campus, 
being in the, in the A&M system, you know, one of the largest systems in the country, you know, that takes some time with, with uh, projects that we're working on. Right. And then I, I always, if I'm on campus, I try to spend at least 30 minutes to an hour on, out on campus interacting with students and faculty awesome. and staff. Sometimes that's hard to do, but, but it's really important for me to try to do it. And then, you know, we have games, we have donor dinners, we have events, typically every single night. Miss your favorite show? Download the podcast at kcaaradio.com. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 